0: This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Creative Elements, hosted by Jay Klaus. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Creative Elements goes behind the scenes with today's top creators. Through narrative interviews, Jay Klaus explores how creators like Tim Urban, James Clear, Tori Dunlap, and Cody Sanchez are building their audiences today. By learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity, Creative Elements helps you gain the tools and confidence to do the same. In a recent episode, they talked with Kevin Perry about how he goes viral on every single platform. Listen to Creative Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is David Newman. He is the author of the business bestseller, Do It Marketing, and his new book, Do It Selling. He's the founder of the Do It MBA mentoring program, and the host of The Selling Show, a top-rated business podcast with over 300 episodes. I think I maybe even was on once. It helps hot. professionals, twice, right? Helps professional service sellers land better clients, bigger deals, and higher fees. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Welcome back to the show, David.
1: Hey, John. Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: So the name of your new book, Do It Selling 77 instant action ideas to land better clients, bigger deals, and higher fees. So, when people hear the word selling, (laughs) uh, you know, I often tell people, entrepreneurs, that you know, half 50% of your job, probably (laughs) at least in the beginning, is going to be selling. (laughs) Um, and yet, most people kind of, many people at least, despise the word. Why do you suppose that is?
1: I think it's two things. I think it's the way that we have been sold to mm-hmm. as prospects, right? Because every entrepreneur wears the salesperson hat, like you said. And we also in real life, we're also prospects and buyers of all right. kinds of things. And it's also the way that they've been taught to sell by some of these big sort of franchise training organizations that have been doing this for 20, 30 years. And unfortunately doing it 20, 30 years, is probably the wrong way that sales is manipulative and pushy and there are scripts and you have to apply pressure and all of these things. So you take those two things together and it's no surprise that most independent professionals certainly just hate sales. They hate it a lot.
0: I mean, some would just tell you that I don't necessarily hate it because i know i have you know i've gotten over i know i have to do it to survive but most people will still tell you they find it kind of the hardest work they have to do i mean what do you suppose that is
1: i think they're looking at it as different than the delivery work so as let's say you're an accountant and you love accounting you're a consultant and you love consulting you're a coach and you love coaching if you look at the diagnostic process once a client hands you a check once a client hands you a credit card you're asking all kinds of questions you're digging you're probing you're uncovering you really want to help them imagine if we just reframed the sales conversation as your very first delivery conversation so there's no pressure there's nothing to hide, there's nothing to prove. And you're just having a human to human conversation about their situation and seeing if you can help them or not. So part of that also is our mindset that we cannot go after prospects like a hungry dog going after a piece of meat. (laughs) So whether you need the business desperately, you need the business not at all, or somewhere in between, we have to remain detached. And I like to reframe, and this is in the Do It Selling book, one of the first chapters, is about reframing the word sales with two other words, invitation and conversation. And most people like invitations because usually there's a party of some kind or (laughs) bourbon or cookies or barbecue or something fun. And most people are also not afraid of a conversation. So a conversation is where you get to make new friends. A conversation is where you get to learn things. A conversation is where you get to exchange ideas. If we reframed the sales process and each sales conversation as simply an invitation to a conversation, I think it would be a get a lot easier, and I think folks would realize they're probably better at it than they think yeah,
0: yeah, I think you're absolutely right most if most people realized that's what it was, um they wouldn't necessarily be afraid of it, right so <clears throat> I think you already answered this, but I was going to ask you, you know, are there certain skills, traits, personality traits, you know, things that make somebody better than somebody else at selling?
1: Sure. Well, I think it's not personality traits because some would argue, oh, you're a born salesperson. John, you're just great at sales and you somehow have the sales gene or you had sales DNA from the time you were a small little tiny baby. (laughs) I think the two skills that we need to cultivate, which every good trusted advisor has is to be strategically dumb and perpetually curious. Mm. So all the things that you know, whether you've worked with 10 clients or a thousand clients, you might think, oh, I know all the typical problems. I know all the typical questions. I know all the typical stuck points. I'm not gonna waste time asking this one prospect if they suffer with that particular symptom or problem or condition, but I'll tell you, you gotta be strategically dumb. Pretend that every client is your first client, every prospect is your first prospect, and start asking questions from that place of being strategically dumb and perpetually curious. Perpetually curious, by the way, means never take the first answer at face value. Mm -hmm. So I also talk about this in the Do It Selling book that we are so concerned with two things that we should not be concerned at all about. Number one, sounding smart. Number two, being liked. If you are in a sales conversation and you're very concerned about sounding smart and being liked, where's your focus? Your focus is on you. Right. If you are committed to being strategically dumb and perpetually curious, meaning asking lots of follow up questions, really digging and probing and uncovering and finding the symptom behind the symptom and the problem behind the problem, then the focus is 100% where it belongs, which is on your prospect.
0: Let's let's talk a little bit about stages of selling. You know, it's just like any kind of customer journey, you know, people's questions and objectives, you know, change at each of those stages. So like prospecting, you know, is a common thing. I mean, we sometimes have to go out there and find people who might want to listen to us, right? And then obviously the conversation can change to like, how's this going to work for me all the way through, well, maybe before that. Trust building, you know, to how this is going to work for me. How do you break down kind of the set journey or stages of selling?
1: Well, so the demarcation, I'm sure you get this question a lot, of course, as well. It's like, well, when does marketing stop? And yes. when does selling begin? And certainly for independent professionals, that is a very, it's a very smooth continuum. So you might think that you're in. A marketing conversation, but you're actually in the sales conversation, if they express interest, if they have urgency, if they have really desire to fix this problem, sometimes you're in a sales conversation. And it turns out, you know what, they don't have a need, they don't have an urgency. And it's just a nice marketing conversation, that person may or may not come back later. But I look at the demarcation point, marketing is everything that happens to get the initial face to face zoom to zoom voice to voice conversation. Once you're in that conversation, that literally is the beginning of the sales process. And depending on what we're selling, and how complicated it is, or how expensive it is, you might be able to have a one or two call sales process, there might be five steps, six steps, seven steps, we sort of lay this out in the book that somewhere between three and seven steps or three and seven touch points is most of the sales conversations that folks that we work with end up with we're not selling satellites we're not selling complicated manufacturing technology there's no such thing as a six month or a 12 month sales process for small and solo business owners it's just a question of can we get the information and can we share the information to build a level of certainty with that prospect that we can really solve their problem. And that starts with understanding, and that starts with listening, and that starts with really probing and questioning to a deep level. I think a lot of folks make the mistake with sales conversations, first sales conversations specifically, they keep it too polite. They keep it too surface level. And then they leave it sort of open-ended saying, well, great talking to you, John. And, you know, you know call me back if you've made a decision, or let me know when you're ready and they just circle off into the sunset never to be heard from again. So I think having some discipline and having some linkages in that sales process, because as salespeople, when we put our salesperson hat on, it's really a leadership role. So we need to set the guardrails and the boundaries of how this sales conversation is going to go. And one of the, the key principles that will help people right away, never leave one sales conversation without booking the next sales conversation on the prospects calendar so that you're always getting forward momentum.
0: So you talked a little bit about the training that people have received over the years for good or bad. I mean, things like overcoming objectives, closing, you know, are kind of common things that are taught in this. Do they still have a place in in do it selling?
1: Well, so let me answer both. The way that we have the sales conversation, there's a sales conversation roadmap that's in the book. It's really meant to prevent objections in the first place. Usually, right. an objection is some sort of surprise. So yeah, people right. think I don't have enough you know, info. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they think that when they have a closing problem, it's something that they screwed up at the end. Usually, it's something they screwed up at the beginning or maybe in the middle. But if you're not closing enough sales, you're probably not opening the relationship the right way. You're not having the initial sales conversations that would really diffuse and and almost melt away all the typical sales objections. No time, no money, got to check with my boss, got to check with my wife. It's not in the budget, we're already using someone else. I mean, these are all the standard objections. If we're asking questions about these things early and often, We will surface these obstacles and we'll be much more prepared to discuss them and dissolve them as the sales process moves forward. As far as closing, I think a really human-to-human sales conversation leads to the prospect closing themselves. So here are the closing questions that are at the back of the book. And these are, I think, our listeners will find these so tricky and so manipulative and so difficult. Here they are. (laughs) Well, John, does this sound like something that you'd like to do? John, what do you think about moving forward? John, does what we talked about so far make sense? John, is this something that you'd like to do? It's like, oh my God, he's having it. Like, this is like a waiter. Imagine you have a beautiful seven course meal. The waiter comes up to you at the end and says, Mr. Janch, would you like coffee? Would you like dessert? You're not likely to throw down your fork and go, I can't believe the sales pressure. What is going on? How dare you ask if I want coffee, if I want dessert? No one gets upset with those two closing questions. Why? Because they're a natural extension of everything that has come before. So if we learn to have really strong opening, sales conversations, surface the issues, get to the question behind the question, the issue behind the issue, the obstacle behind the obstacle. And then it comes time to, Hey, we've had the value conversation before the price conversation. I know what I'm solving. I know what I'm fixing. I know what I'm getting and I know what the investment's going to be. Would you like to move forward? Does this sound like something you'd like to do? Where would you like to go from here? These are all closing questions that let the fish jump into the boat. Hey,
0: Marketing agency owners, you know, I can teach you the keys to doubling your business in just 90 days or your money back. Sound interesting? All you have to do is license our three-step process that's going to allow you to make your competitors irrelevant, charge a premium for your services and scale, perhaps without adding overhead. And here's the best part. You can license this entire system for your agency by simply participating in an upcoming agency certification intensive. Look, why create the wheel? Use a set of tools that took us over 20 years to create, and you can have them today. Check it out at dtm.world/certification. That's dtm.world/certification. And now, a word from our sponsor: Are you ready to get out of spreadsheets? Look, with HubSpot CRM, get real-time data at your fingertips so your teams stay in sync across the customer journey. Build better content, generate more conversions, and get the context you need to create amazing experiences for your teams and your customers at scale, all from one powerful platform. It's why more than 150,000 companies already use HubSpot CRM to run their businesses better. Plus, HubSpot's user-friendly interface sets you up for success from day one so you can spend less time managing software and more time on what matters, your customers. There's no better time to get organized. Get started for free at HubSpot.com today. So you mentioned price. <coughs> That's clearly an area that people get very nervous about a lot of times when they get asked that. And in fact, I, you know, I work with a lot of professionals, consultants and it's the area that trips them up the most. I mean, they, you know, I urge them to double their fees and they say, "Well, I could never get that." So, you know, how do you teach people to to really kind of overcome that fear of price, which is a fear of Rejection, a fear of like I'm not going to get the work, but you know we're giving it away a lot of times by underpricing, and that's really a function of just not having the right posture, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I totally agree with you. Just like you, I encourage everyone listening to double your prices right now. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, wait a minute, wait. A minute. So do- let me write that down. Double <laughs> my prices. The reason that this is important is and i want to address some of those objections too i'm going to price myself out of the market right well if you're struggling if you're a consultant you're a coach you're a trusted advisor and you're having a hard time selling at your current price when you double your price you will totally price yourself out of the broke market and you will start (laughs) to price yourself into the premium market and i sometimes ask prospects and clients the same question i say do you think over the course of your career, is it possible that you might have lost a couple of deals because you were too cheap? Yep. And almost without fail, they start telling me a story. Oh my gosh, I was talking to this company last year and I lost the deal and I went back to the buyer because we had a good relationship. And I said, what was up with that? Like what, you know, what decision criteria made you choose someone else? And the buyer says, well, you know, the price was just so low. It made us nervous it made the CEO nervous. It made the team nervous. It it made me nervous that I really didn't think you could solve my problem. And there's always a story like that. So literally, when you price yourself out of one market or the common objection that we hear is, well, my clients would never pay that. I'm going to agree with you. They wouldn't (laughs) because you're prospecting to the wrong clients, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it is, you know, I've seen it time and time again, where somebody, they, it's almost like what you described, like the person thought it was too cheap, it couldn't possibly get the result. But you also just you know you double your fees and you just you're gonna have different you're gonna have conversations with different people and that's you know that's the real key so but it's hard you know you're thinking can i take ten dollars today before i get the twenty dollars you know so it keeps people trapped it, you work with a lot of professional services folks are there unique aspects of you know that type of sale that you think need to exist where they might need not need to exist in a what I would call a more transactional sale.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, I think most trusted advisors, unlike selling widgets or unlike selling products, we are the product. Yeah. So we take the sales process and we take rejection very personally. <laughs> I think this is something where we need to reframe the mindset and the value that you're delivering is where we need to focus the conversation, not I'm a great consultant, I'm a great attorney, I'm a great coach, I'm a great accountant. Of course, you're great. That's table stakes these days wants to hire someone who is reassuringly expensive and has certainty that they can really solve the problem because they've solved this hundreds or thousands of times before. But because we are the product, when we're in a professional services sale. And again, John, I'm sure you've worked with these folks that are coming out of corporate. They were like the top salesperson for AT&T, and they can sell corporate cell phone contracts till the cows come home. Now they're a consultant. And it's like, John, I'm selling myself. It's completely different. What happened? Like, I didn't know this was going to be different. And it's completely different because we are now selling a personal transformation Where the client wants to go from situation a to situation b they want to either fix the problem or achieve a new higher level outcome and we are the bridge right we are the conduit we are the catalyst from where they are to where they want to go that's why for example all of the things that you teach about you know what you're not the celebrity the system is the celebrity the methodology is proven, and it works. And that's why, you know, that's why that level of certainty, because people really want two things at the end of the day, prospects, they want to know that you have a system that you're not winging it, you're not making this up as you go along. And they want certainty that they will get to the outcome that you're being hired for. So if you can anchor yourself in asking questions and having conversations about what they really want, what they're trying to fix, what they're trying to solve, and what are the radiant consequences? So the consequences of the consequences. What if you get this right? What if you get this wrong? Sometimes I'll even, and this is also in the book, as far as the detective questions and the go negative questions, what if you don't do anything? What if this just continues going the way it's going for the next six months? Uh, And at any point in a calendar year, you can also ask a prospect, well, I'm curious. If you look back over the last 12 months, what if your next 12 months looked exactly like your last 12 months with this problem, with this situation? Oh my God, that's unacceptable. No, we have to fix this. So we're uncovering just by questioning, we're uncovering urgency and priority and the values through which they're going to make this buying decision. And you absolutely have to do that. Otherwise, you know, we're pitching instead of asking and listening. And so many times with a professional services sale, we actually listen our way into the sale. We do not talk ourselves into a sale.
0: Yeah, I can't tell you how many times the best question you can ask is, tell me more about that. Yes. <laughs> and then just shut up, right? And you know, your point earlier about that a lot of times they will sell themselves by just repeatedly, tell me more about that, tell me more about that. And then finally they dig themselves in such a hole that you know they've, you know, they clearly are like, You're right. <laughs> I need to fix this last question I want to talk about, I'm that newish salesperson, or maybe my company doesn't really provide pipeline. How do I go out there and start kind of knocking on doors without cold calling? I mean, how do I go out there and start, and I shouldn't put words in your mouth, maybe you're going to say cold call, but I mean, how do I start building some opportunities?
1: Yeah, so fantastic question. And I do want to address this issue of cold email, cold LinkedIn, cold calling. There's a huge difference between cold outreach versus initial conversation. People equate those two things where they will say, Well, John, I don't like marketing because I really hate cold calls. It's like there's a million other things that you could be <laughs> and should be doing besides oh randomly God. cold calling strangers. But let's talk about initial outreach. What makes initial outreach immediately warm, even if the person's never heard of you and there's no pre existing relationship? It is three things. Number one research, literally spending 15 minutes researching that prospect, researching their company, going on LinkedIn, going on their website, going to their media page, seeing the press releases, seeing what they're up against, seeing what they're working on. So that's the research. And then coming on their radar with something that is immediately relevant to what's happening today. So research and relevance takes cold outreach and makes it warm. So if someone were to, let's say someone, and we get this on LinkedIn all the time because LinkedIn's become a horrible vortex of spam. But let's say out of my LinkedIn messages, I get the following. Hey, David, I see that you've written two previous books and your brand new book, Do It Selling, just came out. We're an, and I'm totally making this up. You know, we're an Amazon sales agency and we make sure that established authors who are launching a book get a really strong foothold with their initial book sales. Would that be worth a chat? That's the message. So now I, both, we've met both criteria. They've done their research on me. It only takes about 10 minutes to find that out about me or John or any one of your prospects. They've done the research. Hey, I see that you're doing this right now at this moment in time. And then I'm not pushing myself on them. I'm simply asking, would that be worth a short chat? Now, in my situation, and I think every author that's launching a new book, I would talk to that person. Is that a cold call or is that intelligent prospecting? It's intelligent prospecting. Because of the research on the relevance.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's quite obvious when somebody is you know, attempting to do those things, but they're, you know, completely inauthentic in doing it. So, you know, everybody's gotten the message, you know, oh, personalize it. But you can see when it's done cut and paste style, you know, as opposed to taking the time. And it really, you know, as you mentioned. LinkedIn particularly has become so so bad. I can't remember the last time I actually accepted an invitation to connect, you know, because of how poor they were, but it's easy to stand out there now (laughs) because there's so much garbage.
1: (laughs) The bar, you are so right. The bar is low. My friends, good news for everyone listening. The bar is low. All you have to be is be a better human. This is one of my early sales mentors. Maybe I'll just leave this final comment for folks to think about. I was very committed early on to be a better salesperson. The sales mentor says to me, David, don't worry about being a better salesperson. Be a better person and you'll sell more.
0: Yeah, yeah. Makes tons of sense. I mean, we want to buy from people that we can develop a relationship we can like. So uh, tell people where they can find out. I know the book is available, going to be available anywhere you buy books, but where would you like to send people to get more information? I know you have some resources too that, uh, that they can acquire basically yes. to connect with you as well.
1: Absolutely. So DoItSelling.com is the global headquarters of the Do It Selling Empire. You can grab the book. Like John said, you can download some companion resources, tools, video training that will help you implement the ideas in the book. And everything is waiting for you at DoItSelling.com.
0: Awesome. Well, David, it was always a pleasure to have you drop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and hopefully we will run into you soon one of these days out there on the road.
1: I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, and one final thing before you go. You know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing